0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
1: Hello, you're listening to Agony Rants. I'm Neve Kavanagh.
2: And I'm Gerald Farrelly.
1: Agnew Rance is a place where you tell your stories and get our advice and perspective. Exactly.
2: You tell us your stories and we'll give you our reactions. It's kind of like Joe Duffy, but a little bit filthier.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that will be about right. That'll be about right. Okay, so what are we doing today?
2: Well, this yeah, I mean, it was my, this was my topic, wasn't it? Mm. I'm back to work tonight. Like, I'm officially back to work (gasps) to the day job.
1: As in your real job?
2: Comedy, real job. Okay, real job. Um, So I'm doing my first show back tonight. So what we did was we asked people for their work stories. And I mean, I have to say, I'm actually terrified.
1: Are you? Yeah. I mean, well, it is a long time. To be fair, I've done a couple of small gigs, uh, you yeah. know, mainly online without judgment. Right. So yeah. like, only the crew can judge me and they're, they're a little frightened yeah. of me by the time we get to it. So, uh, you know, just a with a little camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who has no clue who this girl is, uh, you know, because they're young people who are interested in the cameras and they yeah. don't know who this hell one is that they're bringing in. But anyway, they know me by the end of it, though. and. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Because they're turning all their sound levels down.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, she's loud. Um, Yes, so there's that. And uh, I actually have a gig next week too. So we are both in a similar situation. It is my first time to play live to 450 people. Now they're all sitting outside the tables. God help us if it rains. (laughs) But they better (laughs) It'll be short. It'll be short. No, 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 it's not going to be short. I have two years of performing to get out at them. (laughs) That is not going to be short. <laughs>
2: it's gonna, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be intense, Neve. Intense. I'm very excited for tell that crowd. Tell me,
1: tell me about your gig. I mean, I'm so excited for you. Have you? Yeah, made... well, I'm,
2: I'm doing a gig in Null uh, tonight, Seamus Anna Centre. It's a lovely little venue in North Dublin, and uh, I'm on with uh, Ardlo Lohanlon and Barry Murphy and Julie J. So there's four of us, but we're all kind of like,
1: oh, oh my god, Ardlo O'Hanlon. What's it gonna be like? Yeah, Ardlo Lohanlon. You know, I worked with him in Erlingus years ago. <laughs> You didn't know that, did you? (laughs) I'd heard the story name. Yes, I know. I carry it. I carry it. You carry it, which
2: is the only thing you're bitter about.
1: (laughs) No, don't get me wrong. I love Ardlo Lohanen. He was the funniest boy actually in the place, even though he was asleep most of the time. (laughs) That was actually what was most wrong. He was asleep a lot of the time. Um,
2: In Aer Lingus. In Aer Lingus. He 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 wasn't a pilot or anything, was he? No,
1: no, we worked in check-in together. Uh, He probably doesn't remember, but I remember (laughs) it because I have a photograph of the two of us. I'm in a very predictable um, French maid's outfit and he's dressed as a red box. I will say that this is a fancy dress thing. It wasn't just... was. You know, I'm pretty sure if I was dressing as a French maid, I would like to think someone would remember that. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it was just a fancy dress party. We worked together for a summer when we were, I was 18. He was in uni. So listen, he was the sweetest guy. I just remember that. But he, you know, years later, I saw him on the late late. You know, you know what I'm going to talk about here. Yeah, I saw him on the late. He told this story. <laughs> And I'm shouting at the screen because that story actually happened to me, and I told him that story. So um, I'm just going to leave that there. You know, Ardal. You know, I,
2: comedians I, we co-opt other people's stories. I mean, I've told stories about how I won the Eurovision in 1993. <laughs> I just, I'm I not d- going to lie.
1: I just like a writing credit. You know, even yeah. in his head, even in his head.
2: Yeah, additional material,
1: <laughs> Nev Cap. Yeah. Um, I did do a lockdown gig you know just in that very brief period you know the, the week where we're allowed to go into where yeah. <laughs> I think
2: it'll be okay actually yeah. no. Okay. no
1: okay so 30 people in Common Arts beautiful theatre and it's the first time we played there you know just myself and my husband date night first of all the the thing that shocked me was you know you know I gig I'm like James Brown a gig so it's like two hours three hours <laughs> <Yeah. gig. laughs> I don't want you to go once I have you in I want to keep you, <laughs> you know? and uh, we were only allowed to gig for an hour and 15 minutes and they were wearing their masks through it. And, you know, I'm used to people being quite interactive and singing with me. It was very Like odd. nobody's ever
2: come away from an Eve cabinet show and thought, that was a bit short.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope they weren't thinking it's too long. right? <laughs> but, but you know, don't tell the listeners that. I, I'd be very upset. But, you know, actually, it's a funny thing because you're looking at people and you're so desperate to, to be relating to them. And we were very emotional by the end of it that's all I'm going to tell you it was just eyes because yeah it was just eyes but you know I could see it and I could feel the emotion from the eyes but it was beautiful to share it but yeah uh, because you you miss it I don't know about you but I am missing it terribly oh good I mean (laughs) No, I like I'm missing.
2: I'm missing the hour on stage, like telling the jokes, and I, but I've still been writing the stuff. So I mean, that's I'm still doing that. But I like the things I don't like. I don't miss the like three-hour drive to. No, I know. You know an art center, and you know. The lovely art centres. From now on, what's going to have to happen is I'm going to do big shows within 20 minutes of drive of my house. Okay. So, so that, it's like the mountain needs to start coming to Mohammed. Okay. Basically.
1: It's a little unfortunate for you that's the Grand Canal or, or Vicker Street. And I yeah. know Vicker Street's been on fire at some point. So, you know, that's limiting you a little bit.
2: It? Yeah, it is. I, I was actually asked to host uh, a comedy show on Vickers Street, like one of these test pilot shows. Okay. And in the same phone call, they were like, well, it's on Saturday night. You know, it's got a really good line up. I was like, oh, brilliant, great. Until they asked me, but Vickers Street is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> was like the caveat at the end of the phone call. <laughs>
1: that, <I> thought, <laughs> that reminds me. You need to lead
2: with that. That yes. needs to be Vickers Street's on fire, but they have asked you to do a gig there on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs>
1: For years and years and years, I've wanted to sing in Sydney Opera House. I don't care if it's on the tour, right? I just want to go to Sydney Opera House. I have no idea. It's totally irrational. I have no particular attachment to Sydney Opera House. But anyway, I've always wanted to do it, but I always wanted to wait for someone to pay me to go to Australia. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm cheap, but let's be honest. Why wouldn't you? And, you know, I once got called to go and sing at the Melbourne Cup. And I thought, Amazing. I could go. Next and, best thing. You know, they said somebody's got sick. It was very last minute. I rang my MD, uh, Aunt Kelly, God bless him, and he was going to play piano and the two of us were going to learn Danny Boy probably on the flight over or whatever it was. They were looking for Irish songs and I was surprised that Mary Black didn't get that call before me. But anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe she did, but well, I didn't care. <laughs> it was about, I was going to be really fast because obviously <laughs> it was a last minute thing. And then they rang me back to say, Actually sorry there's been a bit of a mix up it wasn't the entertainment the sake, it was a horse so <laughs> I, <laughs> so street going on fire is less you were,
2: so you were very ble- <laughs> god they, they
1: basically were asking me to go over and replace, and replace a, a horse, horse. <laughs> <laughs> Nave. I know, I know. What you say? And I wasn't proud. I was thinking maybe. Oh, look, it's still <laughs> <where I'm at. laughs> you know, Anthony's thinner than me. He could I, do I the black end. Accommodation
2: covered. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I miss the good bits, but the bad bits I don't miss. So we'll see. Let's just yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. I, I could be like share. It's like this is my my first annual farewell tour. <laughs>
1: So uh, actually, uh, you know, I've done a set, a set of concerts with my husband called Date Night. I think maybe what I'll start doing now is my retirement. One. I'm going to have to think about something. You know, you know, yeah,
2: it's be, like do it as a big story.
1: Oh yeah, I'm going yeah, to. It's like this is
2: the end. I'm retiring, and then just don't. No. <laughs> Nobody's gonna, who's, who's going to have a go with you. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> it's like national treasure decides to retire and then changes their mind. Mm-hmm. Sinead O'Connor keeps changing her mind. Oh,
1: yeah, she's, she's
2: on Twitter the whole time. It's like I'm retiring. No, I'm not. I'm retiring. <laughs> like, well done, Sinead. That's how you do it.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, how retirement would work for me. I don't think anybody would ever believe it because I don't know about you. Although I haven't done my real job, I did actually get a job. A a, job, job. A job, job. And it's really freaking everybody out because it's like a proper job. And um, it happened after himself stood on the steps. You know, Leo did it first and said... That's it. You're not having any work. No work. No work for the arts. That's Actually, it. We're what he said was, you all up. Neve Kavanagh, you're not working one minute in this <laughs> <Yeah>. next year. <laughs> Neve, we've had enough.
2: <laughs> You've had a
1: good run. <laughs> You've been threatening to retire. <laughs>
2: <laughs> enough is enough no, now. No, Thank no, you very no, much. No, but you know,
1: in fairness, they were closing down for a very valid reason and there was no work.
2: There was no work for any of us, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it was also, also, they were really clear. It was like, it's a year. Yeah, it's a year. Like there was nobody that was saying this is 6 weeks
1: no i know but you know actually i i you'd be surprised actually i think some people thought they were just delaying until autumn and they were treating it like a holiday but it, you know it's an interesting thing because i then sat down and did my cv because my young son came in and said um tesco are looking for people and uh, i said not well, sure i can surely i can do that and i sat down and wrote my cv up now road, I haven't worked in a real job since I was 25, obviously. And um, I wrote down all the marvellous achievements I have over 27 years of or 28 years of uh, self-employment. And it qualified me for sweet fuck all. My CV looks Astonishing Right Astonishing It has celebrity Masterchef on there It has two Eurovisions National treasure All of those things And seriously Seriously Qualifies for nothing Nothing and, Yeah You know And it's an awful shame Because actually You know Luckily I had seven years of work And I don't know If you've had to go back To your youth And remember When you actually worked In say Dunn's Or you yeah, yeah, in, yeah 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 you know, The period of time And the reason you left Yeah <laughs> So apparently, you're supposed to fill that in. But oh God, you know, I forgot about that. Yes, so it's all that. So I put the CV in, and fair play, they must have been either a desperate or b just completely curious and <laughs> this Eurovision winner was coming along, and they gave me an interview, and I literally had the job the next day, myself and my son. But you had
2: like, I think this is interesting because you had very valid reasons.
1: Always, oh, f- yeah, always. Oh, this, listen, I sat there and said a. I have a year in front of me with no work, right, essentially. And, you know, the pragmatic person in me says, there's no way my work is coming back. You know, the last thing that's coming back is our work. Yeah, 100%. And also,
2: the other thing that I think people always forget is that there's a year of shows that haven't been on. Mm -hmm. So they are now the year of shows that are coming up. So it's like when it starts, it will be starting from...
1: yeah. A year and ago. The other side of it is also, you know, even though I would have been part of those that year of shows, the thing is there are much bigger stars than me who wouldn't be necessarily doing the shows in my space Honestly. will suddenly now be moving into my space because they can't travel as far. Yeah. And so, the, you know, there's that element of, you know, where are we going to get to work? And more importantly, the event spaces themselves also have to figure in, you know, when they can take the chance to actually guarantee that they're going to have people in. Yeah. You know, and I totally understand that. It's not yeah. an easy thing, and not an easy thing to kind of get together. Anyway, aside from that, the other reasons I took the work was um, you know, I can't do nothing. I just can't do nothing, yeah. and it's easy to say you could have done all sorts of, you know, creative things. And I did do some of that online and all that, but it got very difficult. And also, you've got to recognize that I was going through a grieving period basically for losing such a huge part of my life that is the truth yeah it's like
2: a hundred percent so everybody with, like everybody that works in the arts gets a thing from it yeah. it's like it's a love, and then when that's gone oh it's it's the weirdest thing it's the weirdest thing to n- not know when you're actually going to be on stage again yeah and it's and it's all well and good I think for when they say about zoom shows and stuff like that, but like it's different like you're used to being in front of a band in front of five hundred people,
1: yeah, I think personally. I felt the lack of purpose. But more importantly, I'm sure you know most people know that my husband had a stroke three or yeah. four years ago. And one of the things about stroke is it's very stress-related. Even no matter what's happening, it could be from many things, but stress is not good for you. <clears throat> and... For him to feel like I'm not earning for a year, we would have survived it. He would be supportive of it. But the point is, what is the point in putting that kind of stress on someone else? Financially, 100%. financially, physically, anything. When you are physically able to go and get a job. And I got a job and I work away at it, just doing my thing. And you know what? Actually, it gave me great purpose. The people in there are hilarious. I have about five million stories from it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And people would come in and say... Why aren't you the singer? Why are you working here? And you go, because there's not a lot of singing going on. So I might as well be here. It's like yeah. five minutes from my job, my house. And, <clears throat> you know, I think I feel grateful for it because I yeah. I know lots of musicians who are not working and they are lost.
2: The most important thing there is that it's like there's nobody in, that working in the arts that can afford to suddenly have a year's work just taken away from them. Like well, that, you know, like
1: in this country, the, the, the it's, it's very it's few, very few. Usually, if you're going to take time off, you plan for it. So you yeah. think about: I'm not going to have money for that period of time. How am I going to support that? Because let's be honest, at the end of the day, we have to feed the family. I don't care who you yeah, are. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we all have responsibilities. Hundred percent. If you feel you if you're feeding the family, you might only be feeding yourself. You know. I'm, I am, fortunately, I'm feeding also two teenage boys who are like bottomless pits. But you know <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? You you are feeding your family whatever state they're in and or whoever they are. And at the end of the day, if you're not doing that, then that is the most stressful thing. And it totally suppresses your creative abilities anyway.
2: A hundred percent. And also, if you were doing something where you're like you're trying to make something work so you can earn money out of it, that's really stressful. No. Like if you're just focusing on the money.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: that'll never work. But like, I think you you're someone who's had... You had the success before you were earning a living from it, really. I mean, you were doing well at it, yeah. But then you were catapulted into it.
1: Yeah, no, it's true for actually because I worked obviously as a gigger before and a, and a voice for hire for a long time. Obviously, you know, and it, it, when I look at it, you know, I. I didn't step off the precipice until I got to that point yeah. where I physically couldn't do both. I mean, when I look back on paper, I physically couldn't do both for a long time yeah. before, I t- before I really took you that were big step. Bo- yeah yeah I was, you know, I was gigging, yeah. you know, six, seven nights a week and get working during the day. And I slept on Tuesdays. That's no, uh, you know, mystery. That was just it. And,
2: and also with Ireland... Because Ireland's am so small, oh. you have to be slightly further along in that stuff mm. before you can quit. The t- like I, I was touring three nights a week when I was still working in IT. Yeah. And, and I was doing that thing of on Thursday saying I have to get out at five o'clock because I have to go to Galway to do a show. And oh. then drive back and be in work on early early Friday morning. Like I tried to get in at eight so I can leave at four to go and do the Friday show because the Friday traffic is worse. And
1: you know, you said a bad word there.
2: When it came out that you were working. Yeah. Like, there was a big media thing about that. I mean, as cruel as I thought it was, I do think that the headline in the sun, In Your Aisles.
1: I know. you You got to say that that is... That was pretty good. ...inspired. And, you know, to be that honest with you, I understand people's interest in it. Yeah. And, you know, it, news articles were basically, you know, COVID, more COVID, COVID, neve has got a job, right? And, you know... And Leo Varadkar tweeted. He did. <laughs> The same Leo. That was
2: a moment. That
1: was a moment. And I said, you know what? I admire what they did. Uh, You know, I'm all for whatever keeps people safe. It's all very well. And and I'm also going to be very clear. This didn't just happen to the arts, right? For all that we are sitting here talking about it. And yes, it's going to take us longer, but lots and lots. And there's hardly a person alive who hasn't been affected by this. So so to me, I'm not sitting here saying, poor me. I'm just getting on with it. And I think that's really important for people to understand. You know, it's not any more tragic that it's happened to me, right? <laughs> you know, It's not any more tragic. And I am 100% grateful that, you know, I'm getting on with things and doing whatever I need to do. Yeah. The biggest thing about the press in me- media was like... As I said to you at the time, it seems to be big news. You know, woman has no work. She gets a job. That is hardly, you know, when you put it down to right. the guts of it, it's like one of those clickbait's when you go in and it has a very dramatic headline. And it turns out it's not quite so dramatic when you go in. You know, there's a lot of that in, in news today. And, and it, it's not a big news, but actually the response I got was. Very different, I think, th- than I was expecting. You know, there, there is that concept, I think, that we're all worried about how people feel if, if in the arts it's going to be a failure because you've taken a day job. But the simple truth is, I got fair play to you. We're so I was so proud of you, you know. I mean, honestly, it totally makes sense that you would do that, you know. Yeah. You know, and, and the majority of people, and there will always be people who go, once you look at the state of that, but, but maybe they don't understand. If you really said... Well, yeah, and, I mean, like,
2: you know, Paul had had a stroke. Yeah. You've a kid, gone to college. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Another bottomless pit still yeah, living yeah. at home and eating. Yeah. And then you also have, like, I mean, it's not, and it's also, it's not like you didn't have a full diary. Like, you did a whole diary, you did a year, year's tour. Should Like, nobody should have to defend that. This has always been my point. Nobody yeah. should ever have to defend getting a job because I think that sometimes I think people in the arts are the hardest on themselves. Yeah. Because there's this whole thing about whether you're professional or not.
1: Oh, don't get me started. And that, Like that really
2: bothers me because Mm. that's you're kind of like, why are you judging the quality of your work based on what you do when you're not doing the work?
1: Oh, my goodness. I hope that you've embroidered onto that some sort of sample (laughs) because I'm going to have that
2: on my wall. Did it make the job harder because of things like it was in the papers? It was on on the front of the papers. (laughs) The shock was tweeting about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no, not for me. Not for me. Although you'll recognise I didn't do anything for a long period of time after that because I, w- I didn't want it to be about that. You know, I'd, I'd, yeah. you know, because my experience was no different to anybody else's in the sense that quite a lot of people found themselves with no work. So when you said you didn't do anything about it, you didn't do any... I didn't do any media, didn't or, do any yeah. interviews. I uh, had been approached by a lot of people. Obviously, the second they heard they wanted me to come on and do TV about it and everything... Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to become about me being the poster child for that. It wasn't about that for me. And I know that sounds a bit counterintuitive, but all that does is fill space for people. And then the next thing you know, that's my life for the next 20 years being that person. And it's not about that. We're all surviving this period of our time, whatever way we're going to do it. And... I just like to be busy and I, I, you know, and apart from that, my husband is working and I am working and we're just getting on with things. We're still playing music at home. We're still enjoying, I think. And we it's been really lovely for us in some ways because we've really, you know, we had obviously dealt with the stroke thing and we, you know, we've been working hard. We we always worked, geez, you know, for 23 years we've been together and for twenty two, twenty one 21 of those years, for 21 years, my husband and I have worked constantly and I mean, he worked in his photography. We both play music together. We, you know, the reason we do date night is because really that is our date night. We are out yes. <laughs> socialising because we love to play music together. And that's what we do. And then we do a lot of things that are independent. So this was a period of time where literally we had time together. You know, we had time together and after the stroke, we had a lot of time together because I needed to support him through that. And the truth is, we discovered we still liked each other a lot as people. And that's nice. And, you know, we're not much different to most people when we come in in the evening. We're going, will we watch our show on either... Amazon Prime yeah. or Netflix or whatever you're going to watch and you watch your show or whatever it is and we have the, the, the lols we talk about our day you know generally speaking we're only awake for about three hours today because I'm getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning <laughs> and he get, he stays up late but you know you know what I'm talking about it's you know we're not that different but it was really nice for us and I felt it was less pressured for him because all of the earning wasn't down to him
2: and, and you were also Already in that process from the previous year of actually getting out in front because you were
1: yeah you, you were now be. the main
2: earner because he you got to be you know. financially
1: you know and and to be fair you know he he and I earn a lot together because he obviously plays with me a lot yeah yeah that sounds wrong he he plays <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I did a bit of a shout out on social media mm-hmm. uh, just to get people's work stories embarrassing work stories like I mean I've <sighs> so many. Um, but the the one that burns me most is uh, Nobody Knows About. Okay. Because Gen- it happened, I was on my own and it was happened in a Northern Ireland theatre. Uh,
1: is this something that I can tell my grandmother? Like, it
2: is. It's actually, it's a very wholesome story. <laughs>
1: okay, go on then.
2: <laughs> I'm back uh, in the room. And it happened in a theatre in Northern Ireland. I can't remember which one. I think it was one in, in a skillin maybe.
1: Okay. Uh, maybe when you tell the story I'll be able to tell you. You probably was. will.
2: I did, I was doing support for Neil Delamere.
1: Okay. And you've done a lot of them.
2: Yes. And... Uh, Usually what happens is like when we, when we, we'd go on tour, we have a very, uh, the route, it's pretty much a routine. Mm -hmm. Like I would get changed into my gear, do the show. And then I, we'd have the intermission and then I would go on for two minutes to bring him on. And then I would have maybe 20 minutes of just gathering my gear up, like in an empty backstage, like backstage is completely empty because it's just me and him. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what I used to do was I would, sometimes I would brush my teeth. Because I used to have this thing that if I have my teeth brushed before I drive home, I won't be eating rubbish. I won't stop at a garage. Like if I stop at a garage, I won't get my Mars bar or something. Oh. And also, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm all, I'm ready for bed. Like I can just go home, flop into bed. No, <laughs> you you know, and I then. are
1: such different people. Right? <laughs> but to be honest with you, no amount of pr- teeth brushing will stop me eating like <laughs> a chocolate bar. But the other thing I'm going to say is I can't go on stage without brushing my teeth.
2: Right. Well no, I brush before I leave the house. Yeah, no. I no.
1: See the last thing before I go on stage, right? Uh, you know, when when I'm gonna go on stage, I'll brush my teeth and then I'll go to the side of the stage. The other side of that, of course, is I don't eat very much before I gig.
2: Do you um I can't be hungry.
1: I uh, no no, nobody can so be hungry. What I
2: what I I usually do is um if I, I can't I don't eat the dinner, like I wouldn't have a dinner. No. But I would have a baraka. A what? A that's baraka, not too. No, but it kind of just, it kind of like pushes all the vitamin buttons. So you <laughs> kind of don't feel hungry. <laughs>
1: I, Jesus Christ. A Baraka. I never knew that about you. Yeah,
2: I always have a Baraka before I go on. Because it just kind of makes me go, bing, gig.
1: Oh, Hope you okay, go. bing.
2: Bing. So, yeah,
1: bing. <laughs> that's it. That's, you know, that's your sponsorship sort of What?
2: What? <laughs> So what happened was I was brushing my teeth and it was a boiling and hot. It was, it happened, it was during summer. Or no, yeah, it was during summer. I was, um, I brushed my teeth and I took my shirt off and I was, took my jeans off and I hung them on the hanger and I was still in my boxer shorts and I was wandering around backstage.
1: Thinking and you were the only, the only. Thinking
2: I was the only person there. <laughs> I you, right opened now. the door while brushing my teeth and I was on my phone as well. So it was just like brushing on phone wandering looking around opened the door and was suddenly on stage in a play that was going on in the studio
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I didn't even know
1: you mean the smaller studio in There the was back.
2: like like I didn't even know there was a studio there
1: Oh my god <laughs> Please tell me but, it was like the field or something it, No <laughs> it
2: was some it was like I, I think it was like a one man show
1: thing Oh my god God. like or a
2: anyway i know there was like a, a mattress on the ground and like a man and a horrified front row because I, like but he was actually dressed in um oh he was dressed in like some sort of tunic like some i don't know maybe it was shakespeare like I, like I just closed the door and I, I've no idea how he explained my iPhone
1: <laughs> that's hilarious now listen I've had plenty of really embarrassing things happen to me on stage I think anything that can happen to you on stage has happened to me right Yeah. Um, but you know I've fallen off it I've you know I've, I've been so involved in my uh, performance that I've actually walked off the front of a stage like I actually managed to do that and and then in the band that I was in at the time they spent a lot of time putting monitors right up the front so that I would at least fall over the monitor. <laughs> I actually did it. Another time I jumped up onto the onto the drum riser. This is my very enthusiastic early stage of performance. <laughs> I jumped up on the drum riser to sing, I think it was Pump Up the Jam at the time, and I'm standing on the top of this rostrum and I put my foot down not knowing they'd put the flight cases all along the side and I literally, you know where somebody actually just goes to the side and just falls <laughs> off the and I didn't miss an absolute word.
2: Of course, he didn't. <laughs> Not on pump up the jam.
1: Pump up the jam. But the other thing I think is the time uh, where I was standing on stage and a gentleman decided to throw his prosthetic leg on the stage, you know, uh, uh, in front of me, like an offering. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of embarrassing things. But I'm forever doing funny things. But I have never walked out in my underwear.
2: <laughs> Walk well, Yeah, into somebody else's production.
1: Well done, you.
2: Uh, The first person we got in touch with was Paul and he said, so, embarrassing work stories. After a pretty heavy night out, uh, I was in work at 7am the next morning, worked my shift and in the office just before I got to go home, one of the managers asked me a question and I closed my eyes to think of the answer and I fell asleep. Ah!
1: (laughs) You know, I've never fallen asleep but I have been in the presence of other people who fell asleep, usually from too much drink the night before, where they would just be literally asleep. I saw someone fall asleep during a phone call Uh, but my favourite falling asleep story actually is um, a very good friend of mine and I were sitting in a hotel and we were just going to bed at night and you know in the twin beds we were chatting away and all that you know the way women do they're always in separate beds chatting and so she says to me, so how did you get involved in the Eurovision? So I started to tell her the story. And it was very quiet over the other side after the first couple of lines. And I realised she'd actually fallen asleep. <laughs> Immediately, I started that story. And to this day, I give her nothing but abuse over the fact that she fell asleep. She was so bored by my life.
2: <laughs> Next is Richard. Uh, I went into a small store. Room.
1: Oh, God, you, you're reading something here. You better get to I the end of this. I went
2: into a small storeroom for a fart after a, a night out on Guinness and a manager walked right in after me and he came out looking like he was about to be sick. Richard. Really? <laughs> I'm glad that we were here for you. I'm glad that...
1: <laughs> That's a small bit of oversharing. Oversharing. I'm, <laughs> glad, you
2: were, I'm glad we were here and we were, you were able to get that off your chest. Uh,
1: have you ever, you know, have you ever been in a shop and you, you walk into an area and realise somebody has obviously left one... And and then you're a fear your that the, th-
2: you think it's you.
1: That the next person going to think it's you.
2: I know. And not only that, happens. you're
1: looking ahead to see who it actually was.
2: I do that in my lift because I live in an apartment. Uh, and
1: Which part do you do in the lift? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is an important yeah, question. Yeah, we need
2: this. We'll edit this.
1: Yeah.
2: But I, sometimes what happens is you get into a lift and there's a smell of beans Bins? Because somebody has brought their bins down.
1: Oh, they're not allowed to do that? No, 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 that's grand. Like, okay. But
2: but somebody has brought down bin and there's like something rotten in it so it stinks the lift out for a oh. few minutes. But it's happened a few times where my, I'd be in the lift, someone would have had bins in the lift and then someone else is getting into the lift and I'm saying, that's somebody's
1: bins. <laughs> you feel you have to justify it? 100%. <laughs> yeah, I don't look at you and think that you could be a bin. I'm on the top floor, I'm wearing aftershave. I <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely don't look at you and think bins. right? Okay, I'm just going to tell you that now. Yeah, somebody, so, that, bins, bins. I, I should reassure you a little bit. Okay, so next I have jo- um, jo- Joanne. Um, and she blagged herself uh, into a new job as assistant manager of Game on Grafton Street, and a customer asked her for a SCART lead, uh, but she told her with much conviction that they didn't sell them, and it turned out there was a whole section of them. And to be fair, you know, SCART leads and game consoles, even I know that that is a thing. <laughs> well done. Assistant manager of game. Okay, that's it. Uh, clearly, clearly blagged is the, the blagged operative, is the operative s- word there.
2: Well done, Joanne.
1: Actually, I admire that, Joanne. That's great. Yeah, I know. I,
2: I, people that can blag, I'm very impressed. If you, I, Do you know what? Sometimes there's a friend, you know, every so often there's a friend that you're like, oh, there's a chancer. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they have a massive job and you're like,
1: I don't know. But the stress
2: How did that happen?
1: Yeah, but the stress, you know, of being in that job, you have to really care so little about life because, you know, if you're in a really big job, there's a lot of responsibility usually. I mean, it's, it's like somebody said to me what happens when you forget the words of a song, and the thing is, I reckon if you sing it with enough conviction, I think people think that perhaps that is the words of the song. <laughs> I think you just have to have enough conviction when you do it. It's all about the cell. Sometimes you come right up to the precipice of the next line and it's just not there. It's not there. And you just go, (laughs) (laughs) Embarrassing
2: work story. Back on the 18th of March, I was on a work team's call and my phone rang and it was a GP's nurse to discuss my smear test. I didn't end the team's call and I thought I had ended it. Everyone just stayed silent and no one commented or interrupted me to tell me that I was still on the call. I'm still dying over it and also a bit annoyed that nobody said anything. Why would they not
1: say anything? More importantly, what is she saying about our smear test? You know, that they're hearing. I mean, listen, Zoom and phone calls, and I don't know if you've butt dialed enough people, you know, you're walking around. i tell along. you what I did do. What?
2: I use AirPods, you know, like oh. for when I'm doing gigs. And um, I was doing a gig, uh, an online gig there a while ago. And I had the ear pods on. Just before I did it, I was like, I have to go to the loo. So I ran into the loo with the ear pods on. And I would already unmuted myself so I could just turn the camera on. And I did a wee. <laughs> <laughs> I um, did it once in a theatre production. I remember at a dress rehearsal, the director was being a bit of a...
1: Were you saying a bad word? A bit
2: of a diva. Like and then diva? I walked off stage and I said, what's his problem?
1: I, it's amazing that you found a diva the in the world. arts. Imagine. How did you find them?
2: a diva director, Neve. you
1: ever met one? Have you never. ever met a diva in the arts? I mean, not a single never. one. I've never. Okay, you're going to read the next one for me then, Brian?
2: Uh, it was close to 8pm and me and another girl in her early 20s were the last two people in the office. I'm
1: not, uh, sorry, go ahead. I'm already a bit nervous for the story. <laughs>
2: She was gorgeous. I'm probably old enough to be her dad.
1: Oh my God. This is definitely going to a bad place.
2: She asked if I'm staying much longer and I half said, no, I'm heading off in a few minutes and half said, no, I'm just about to jack it in. But what I actually said was, I'm just about to jack off.
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's definitely under awkward moments there.
2: And it took some explaining. I'd imagine... It did, Brian. Yeah,
1: I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure how much explaining you want to be doing that. You just want to be getting out of that office and then definitely applying for some sort of uh, course, you know, how to talk appropriately to yourself. <laughs> That's crazy.
2: I, I was once in a sparrow with my mother and, and she uh, she shouted at me to get four Jurex, But what she meant was Duracell.
1: Mm, nice. Nice. You know, it, it's like when you go into the chemist. The barrels are close, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> Oh oh my gosh. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I have teenage boys. I've never bought them any. (laughs) I bought them Duracell. (laughs) That's it.
2: (laughs) Charlie's share. (laughs) Really do. Very close family.
1: Lovely. Sorry. I'm a disaster. So, <laughs> so, Brian. Next up. Brian, we're just going to skate across that one. Uh, that's just one of those things. I don't know how many times you've just, I was going to say, just opened your mouth and the wrong thing came <laughs> <your> out. <laughs> you know, so many things are wrong with that statement. I, I just I just think you, you can say things. You've got two things in your head. I completely understand where it came from, Brian. At least I'm hoping that's where it comes from. <laughs> no, I am hoping that's not what you were thinking about in your head. You know, but that's a whole other thing. I live with men. I understand that they think about it. <laughs> Do you you not find it's really difficult nowadays because people, you have to be really careful about what you say to people you work with. Completely, You know, and and some people have a great broad, I mean, gosh, you know, I grew up and people used to say the craziest things, you know, around you. They used to think it was their job to shock you.
2: Yeah. I think as well, everyone's very sensitive and fake positive now. Whereas I I, I love being able to say, oh, that's muck. Yeah. Can we just do it again? Like,
1: Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, it's, it depends where you're coming from, obviously you don't want to offend anybody and, and you can't automatically assume what's gonna offend someone else. God, that sounds very sensible. But you know, yeah. the, some people will take it as banter and then other people will take it as an honest mistake and then there's those people who will be offended if you look <laughs> at them sharply. You know, and I, I just it just is that way. And I just think it's 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 hard now because you don't want to
2: Like do you remember the good old days when you used to be able to say, I'm actually just about to jack off to yourself and no one will bat an eyelid? <laughs>
1: You will be surprised how many times I have not said that. <laughs> um, okay, now we did
2: get one problem. Okay, um, good. And we like the problems. I wonder about the merits of asking the two of us.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to help we...
2: solve a problem. But I mean, look, we did say if you need our help.
1: Yes. Okay, come we on. Are, we are here to Bring it. it on. So it here on. we
2: go. This is the question. Uh, it came in. Uh, Dear Nevin Garode, um you asked for embarrassing work stories and here is one I think you might like. I still don't know what to do about it as it only happened a few weeks ago. Uh, I don't think we'll be back in the office together before next year. So hopefully the situation will have died down. A few weeks ago, I was slacking back and forth with one of my teammates. Slacking? Which is instant messaging.
1: Oh, right. Okay, I'm back in the room. Uh, Back
2: in the room. Uh, We were slacking back and forth uh, and we were bitching about our line manager. We work in the IT department of a bank in London and we are both very good at our jobs and have worked there between three and five years. Three and... F-
1: Does that four years? Or is it... Oh, maybe one works three, one works five. Okay, let's go that You're way. You're all over it. All over it. All like over it. it. I'm back in the room.
2: Our manager is a nightmare. Our, she micromanages us, is always hostile and rude. She goes through our work with a fine-tooth comb and she treats us like we are children. She makes it difficult to book holidays, refuses time off for no good reason and questions us, questions us about being a few minutes late while happily will ask us to do extra hours or work weekends I love my job but she makes my life miserable it was coming to a head and we decided we were going to make a complaint and wondering how to do it I wrote a list of all of my grievances and then panicked in case the company was monitoring Slack and decided instead to send it to my friend on WhatsApp and instead I WhatsApp the email to my manager
1: oh god nightmare nightmare
2: I thought there would be repercussions, but she just said that we would speak about this when we were back in the office, which is possibly next year. This is... Anyway. <laughs> All of our work interactions are now even more stressful. Any idea of how to smooth things over? Should I send her flowers or do something nice?
1: No. I know. Hold on We a would second. love to hear your thoughts.
2: Okay. Neve saw you at Eurovision show in London when you went back in 2010. Oh. When, uh, oh, went you? When you went back?
1: You look a little bit confused. Don't you remember I actually went back and did another one? Oh, yes. Oh. Okay. I remember that show. It was great fun. Uh,
2: And you were amazing. Please come back. And that's from Robert.
1: Okay, Robert. Well, first of all, there's a very good chance I'll be back (laughs) as soon as they let me fly anywhere. Um, Now, yeah, um. This is very tricky. I'm going to tell you, very tricky. Now, there's two things that are at work here. A, the problem that you have with your manager, right? And that's difficult, right? Yeah. And then the fact that you've actually missent. Now, I yeah. don't know about you, but I have done this where I have sent one yeah. to the wrong WhatsApp, to the wrong text, and you send the wrong thing and you realize what it reveals that you may have already Maybe been very cleverly concealing <laughs> how you feel about someone or have a situation the that you don't
2: do that by accident.
1: No, there is an element to that, and actually, I don't think it's any bad thing. The problem is you would have couched it differently, I suppose, if you felt you were sending it to them. I think it's no bad thing that you maybe highlight that there are difficulties, and this is how you feel. Because I think sometimes. Yeah when it comes to management, it is important to respect them, you know, in the sense of the hierarchy and all that. And and it's necessary to feel that the hierarchy exists. However, that doesn't make them better than you or that they're supposed to treat you like, make you feel bad about things. So, you know, this is a very sensible take on this. Very sensible. But don't worry, (laughs) Neve, I'm going to balance this out now in two minutes. I can't wait for this. So (laughs) the thing about this is, I think, to be fair, they have to earn that respect too. And I think you should have the right to say, I am not happy and not feel because you're an underling that you can't say how you feel if you feel undermined. Now, to be fair, like when I deal with the kids, the kids have their, you know, their grievances with me. And I say you are within your rights to give me those grievances, but I'm still the boss. So I have to discuss. I'm the one who decides how valid they are <laughs> you know I get that you know it's, I'm not saying that we should all ride road over the system because sometimes the system is there for a reason however <laughs> however I am very much in support of you Robert in the sense that sometimes you just have to say what you've got to say
2: okay this manager is a cow oh
1: my that's what
2: the problem is no listen listen to to the bits in here right Right, Okay, she's an absolute cow right okay Okay, you were bitching about her and you shouldn't have been fair enough and I understand you may have been colourful about her in what you were (laughs) what you didn't want to say on the company monitored slack (laughs) so look so that's not ideal because she now knows your true feeling but I'm sorry she micromanages us also known as bullying. Okay. She's hostile and rude. Uh-huh. She makes it difficult to book holidays and refuses to time off for no good reason. Yeah,
1: I absolutely disagree with that. No, I absolutely disagree. No. With that. Yeah, yeah.
2: And also, this th- this whole thing of people, you know, oh, you're five minutes late, but you have to work two hours extra. Like,
1: yeah, there should be leeway, there's give in that. and take there, definitely leeway. Yeah.
2: Also, I mean, I do like the little power move that she's done. That we will talk about this when we're back in the office. So she's holding it over your head for. Well, I a think, very long time. Yeah,
1: well, I think, Robert, I'll be honest with you, Robert, if I were you, I wouldn't be sending any flowers. That's a for sure. And no I also way. would not feel responsible. I would not feel responsible for the fact that you are airing how you feel. Right. No. 100% would not feel that. I think for me, sometimes I apply the thing that I was taught when I was young, which is basically if you're an ar- in an argument, you're already in the wrong. Right. And that's the truth because you're already fighting. Right. So you bat the ball, you're playing the game. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, it, what I would apply here is if she wants to wait till next year, then you don't think another thing about it.
2: hundred percent. And do you know what else you do? I'll tell you what you do. You go apply to your office while there is nobody in there and you take a mackerel and you put it in her <laughs> desk drawer and you leave it there. So first day back in the office, it's she's not thinking about a conversation she has to have with you because she'll have other things to deal with. No patience for this. God.
1: <laughs> I totally agree. Actually, more than anything else, you should act as if it hasn't happened now. Because if she's not willing to actually address it, then you should not be even carrying it. Put it in the box. Put it away.
2: 100%. And also, don't do that thing of just being slightly more compliant now because there's this kind of little beef between you. Yeah. Like, don't do this thing of like, oh, well, I better just accept that holidays haven't been approved. And no, no, no. No, no, no. No, no,
1: no. no, no. no, no, no. Be more, be more grod and <laughs> less mackerel application, but definitely be 100% more garrode. 100
2: Cheese also works if you're a vegan. <laughs> or well, maybe not a vegan because they can't eat cheese, can they?
1: No, unless it's vegan. We can get vegan. Vegan cheese. cheese. Vegan cheese. I don't think
2: that goes off though. It's full of chemicals.
1: <laughs> Why do I always think vegans are healthier and there ain't nothing but chemicals? What's
2: that 100%. About? So stand up for <laughs> yourself, Robert. You've already done it. I hope to God she's not listening to this show because then you probably are in trouble. But also, do you know what, Rob? Uh, Put, write everything down. A shit list. Keep yourself a diary. If you're going to hang her, have the rope.
1: Come in with evidence. I know. But, uh, you know, and the other thing is you've got to file it under. She has no power over you. She has no power. She has no power. You give it to her. So take it back.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's not strictly true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she has all the power of <laughs> Only in your job. But we're Not over you. you as a person. We're empowering you. <laughs> and if you need a national treasure, friends, Next
2: time leave is in London,
1: <laughs> I'll bring a over. She'll come down, she'll sort it. And his mackerel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We are
2: pausing for a moment to remind you that Agony Rants is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you would like to support us and the show, you can become a member for as little as €5 euro a month. And in return, you will get bonus episodes from us and from all of the shows on Headstuff Podcast Network, including all of the stuff that Neve says that, <laughs> <laughs> that we can't put in because it will destroy our career. Oh no,
1: don't do that,
2: don't do that. <laughs> also, members will hear about live shows and merch first.
1: Is it mercy? Pa- <laughs> I did want to ask you, why Why? Why is there mercy, mercy. on this? Mercy. Members <laughs> will
2: hear about live show merch and mercy first. To subscribe, head over to headstuffpodcasts.com. Also, we are going to tell you about another great show on the Headstuff Network called Their Only Stories, which is coming out soon. And it is a great new storytelling podcast. Uh, it's a podcast of spooky stories. And you can have a listen to a clip of it now. Their Only Stories, a new anthology drama podcast that celebrates stories and the writers behind those stories.
0: I go like the hounds of hell are after me. Good to know.
2: Premiering on the 17th of October on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Listen on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Their Only Stories is produced by Riot's Productions in association with the Headstuff Podcast Network, and funded by the Arts Council of Ireland.
0: Yes, you should be part of
1: what have we learned from our embarrassing work stories what think? have we learned oh my god we've learned that um
2: let yourself off the hook we've all done embarrassing things <laughs> i know i mean we've look also like the people you work with really you know you're gonna mo- you're gonna change jobs and you're never gonna see half of them again yeah everyone embarrasses themselves
1: enjoy your gig tonight oh thank you i hope you don't have an embarrassing story next week For that, <laughs> okay. we should see
2: i'm sure it'll be amazing
1: thank you for listening
2: Um. Uh, and if you want to get in touch you can email us at agonyrants at gmail.com I feel so special I know (laughs) you can send in your stories your problems your questions anything we can help with And we are your whack pack your crew we're the people that will be your support network
1: no offence but I, some words in there I didn't understand I know
2: very American
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to also say you know I'd like to put in an addendum I do not want any pictures that you don't feel you could show your parents that's all I'm going to say okay you, leave it there
2: you can send fan mail, you fan, can mail send fan mail fan
1: mail but not too fan
2: to me actually as well there's a lot of Neve is brilliant in this <laughs> so if we could rebalance that seesaw that'd be lovely
1: <laughs> well next week thanks for listening bye Right well listen look after yourselves we'll see you on
0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and The Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park, or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply. Subject to availability.
2: Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one
0: transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.